You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada. I am thrilled to be hosting an amazing panel of some beautiful people right across the country, literally uh, right across this beautiful, beautiful land. And we're going to talk about what does it mean to be Indigenous and in marketing and advertising today. So uh, first question, we're going to jump right in. Uh, Growing up, what was it like for you? And where did you grow up? And did you ever see people like you, Indigenous, in ads and in advertising that you saw? Uh, Coleman, we're going to start with you. Sure. So I'm Coleman. Uh, I'm from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, and I'm a member of the Little Pine First Nation in Treaty 6 territory, but I grew up in the urban environment. And what you typically saw was First Nations people included in advertisements where you would expect it because there's such a high population in that city. Um, But it was more so in an environment where it was they were selling something that was specifically for First Nations people and they weren't being necessarily brought into the fold um, overall from an advertising standpoint. Okay. And what, do you have an example of like a product or what the, the service was? Anything from the uh, Indigenous focused education that we have in Saskatchewan, which we're pretty lucky to have. Mm-hmm. Um, we have banking that's focused on First Nations people. But again, like all of these are, are specifically for that demographic. So obviously it's going to be uh, included there. Yeah. But anything like, but like Pepsi or Lego or any of those other brands, did you ever see someone like yourself in those? That's the thing. Not usually. Yeah. Yeah. It would, uh, there's nothing that comes to mind and it was pretty infrequent. Okay. And Sebastian, tell me about growing up, where you grew up and, and what are the kind of the, the, the advertising marketing experiences that you saw? Um, yes, uh, I grew up in Wendake First Nation, uh, just outside of Quebec City. And um, growing up, I mean, obviously, it's a, such a small community. And uh, we're so enclaved within the city of Quebec, you know, like, just like I said, 15 minutes away from, you know, Chateau Frontenac. So uh, growing up in my community, we, we didn't, we didn't tend to see much advertising anyways, the only advertising that included Indigenous people were normally like Health Canada, uh, or like the dentals. Uh, if you had to go to the dentist, then you would have like, hey, come see us, like, because we are sort such a good source of income to them, right? Uh, but other than that, like, you know, and, and it doesn't really change from what we see today, to be honest, other than growing up with the Redskins and the Blackhawks and, you know, like all those, you know, main brands. But other than that, like we didn't see any Indigenous people. And and I think mo- moving forward and, and, and trying to be as inclusive because we're such a good part of, you know, Indigenous people travel a lot. And, and most of the time, if you're trying to get some Indigenous people to travel to your location, then obviously you should try to embed them into your advertising campaigns like if you're trying to attract black people to come and visit an indigenous community they would like to see themselves same thing with asians so um yeah moving forward i think it's now we're more aware of that diversity um but it was certainly not the case growing up okay and how about you ben what was it like uh, where did you grow up and, and, and what did you see and experience sure yeah so uh, my name is Ben Bourne, and I'm from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Uh, Yellow Quilt First Nation is the is the homeland for me. And if I actually reflect on growing up, uh, I distinctly remember uh, a one product uh, was a topical pain reliever called Lakota, <laughs> and I saw that advertised a lot on TV. But that was really about it. No other major brand representation. But when I think about the larger media landscape, you know, going through my childhood, you know, Indigenous people were often portrayed in the media rather negatively or often associated with stories about 
crime or death, right? And, um, and I think that's where I saw that representation. And it wasn't until later in life that I saw that kind of representation coming into, coming into focus. Hmm. And, and for you, the, the, the topical cream, were you inspired by that? Or like, I think from my memory, was it a painting of an indigenous person? Yeah, it was, it was a painting and there was a guy talking at the camera, a talking head. Okay. But, but beyond that, it was not inspiring. And I was so young, I wouldn't have purchased it anyway. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, and Deanna, tell us about yourself growing up and, and what you saw. I'm Deanna Wampler. I'm a mixed, mixed heritage woman of European and Haida roots, but I grew up um, in Prince Rupert, British Columbia on the traditional territory of the Simpsham people with a lot of different nations in the surrounding areas. And there was a lot of specific um, nonprofits and, and events like the all native basketball tournament and things like that, that would advertise specifically to the indigenous communities, especially the ones coming in but I never really saw anything on ads. I, I do remember actually, the first time I saw an indigenous person just in an ad campaign was in 2019. That really caught my eye and I was like, wow, it was a national ad campaign for an indigenous woman. Um, and it was something that caught my eye. So it, it has been, you know, not growing up at all. Wow, and do you remember what that uh, campaign was for? Absolutely. Which brand? I'm bringing the female perspective to this podcast. So it was a Sephora. Yep. national ad campaign with the indigenous uh, um, activist, Serene Fox. Okay. And it had such an impact to me realizing that, wow, like I have never seen this before. Just this beautiful woman talking about just like beauty products and different products and just bringing, it just really, really caught my eye and realized that I had never seen it in all of my life until this moment in 2019. So. Wow. Wow. And what was it like for you? What did you feel or, or, or like, did you know who she was right away or did, did they Sephora promote that this was an indigenous activist? Yeah, yeah I definitely knew who she was, um, yeah. but I, I definitely, I thought it was really cool, but I think that they, they told a really powerful story about her and her history and who she mm -hmm. was and, and, and what she wants to impact other indigenous girls by her being in this ad campaign mm -hmm. and, and how important it is for her, for her children and her family and her community to see that. So it, it was really, it was really interesting to see that they had to tell a little bit of a story and here, here's hoping at one point there doesn't have to be a story attached to it. Right. Wow. Yeah, for sure. And going to you, Jeff, what was it like growing up and, and what did you see and experience? I grew up in rural Manitoba. Uh, we had two or three channels, uh, four on a good weather day that would float in across the airways from, from, uh, from the United States. Um, so I, I didn't see a lot of, of advertising uh, just in general in my, in my uh, childhood. However, when I did see that, it was like, as Sebastian says, like, you know, Redskins, Blackhawks, um, the, the Lakota, you know, <laughs> products, all, all of these things. And, and you know, uh, also things that have been presenced here, like in, in news and media and, and like television and in movies, representation there. And as a as a, a white passing mixed race indigenous young man growing up, and sort of coming into my identity and how others perceive me, and uh, you know, it was more when when my peers or others in school like said would find out or figure out that oh you're native, like oh hey are you like the you know, I become like the spokesperson for everything that is being seen on television and in the news and media. Um, so it's, yeah, it's can be uh, challenging when when one is thinking of identity um, and what is seen uh, and and put into advertising and is is somebody reflected? Can somebody see their own self in these 
uh, in these campaigns. Yeah. And, and like Deanna said, do you remember the first time you saw someone who looked like you in an ad? Right. Uh, it, it would have been more along the lines of uh, through through my dad's work in the sort of uh, social justice uh, realm and in seeing, um, you know, posters and, you know, things within the community. Like um, I had a, a poster on my wall of Evan Adams uh, through a health campaign and he must have been a teenager way back in the day. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, so those sorts of things, I think, within community are important to um, for young people to see role models. Yeah. And Sebastian, I want to I go to you. You grew up not seeing yourself in advertising and in marketing. So what inspired you to get into this field? And, and what do you think your role is today in that? Well, I feel like we, we always have to change perceptions, right? And it's, uh, it's been my role in my life to be able to educate. And it takes a lot of time. And it's, it's one, one at a time, most of the time, right? You know, like it, you read any blogs, you go to any advertising companies, and you, you try to defend your interests. And, you know, you always have to justify because there's so many preconceptions about Indigenous people. And it's funny because just of branding, I just recall as well, like just about maybe three months ago, I saw someone that looked just like um, um, Katerita Kakwita on oil company. Like it's just, you know, motor oil company. And then it's, a, you know, those thin cans. And, you know, I was just like, La Uran. I'm like, wow, this is really like our people and it's showcased on motor oil. doesn't make sense. And why would you want to? But we know our culture is attractive and we know it sells well as well. But I mean, there's a lot of people that want to take advantage of that. You know, it's not because you have a TP in your backyard that makes you an indigenous product or an indigenous experience. And it doesn't mean you're, you know, like a, a guru. And so I think I fell into this field more because like I was in sales already and I wanted to, you know, just change perceptions. And it's been my goal and just trying to educate people. And it's one by one, like I said, but we got to break this. Like, you know, people have to see ourselves and see indigenous people as who we are and what we do. And we can, people can learn so much about us. Like, and, and, you know, like if we were to work hand in hand, we would have more success and we would be more successful altogether. And, and, you know, managing the land, managing, you know, the, your, the, the resources and also um, advertising, you know, gets us to that place where, you know, we take control of what we want to showcase. And for too long, we've been creating those, those ads where, you know, they showcase people in regalias and, you know, like, so when people come into Canada, they expect to see people in regalia. They expect to see polar bears. I got people coming in Montreal and they're like, Oh, where are the polar bears? I'm like, what do you mean polar bears? Well, they're all in the advertisements for Canada all the time. I'm like, well, uh, yeah, if you go north, but I mean, there's no polar bears downtown Montreal. Are you kidding me? So, I mean, that, that creates always, you know, that perceptions. And I think as well, it creates also disappointment, you know, because people have those expectations and you don't deliver on those expectations, create also that deception. So I think it's, it's for us as well as marketers and advertising and just to be careful on what we put forward and the way we want to put it forward. It's our message, it's our branding, it's our story, but let's make sure it's efficient. Wow. So Ben, I want to go to you. Um, Sebastian mentioned, uh, you know, there's uh, perceptions about Indigenous people. When you, when people, you know, work with you or they know that you're Indigenous, what are the perceptions that you get maybe right away? Or what are the perceptions that you kind of have to break to, to educate people? That's a, that's a really good question. Uh, you know, I've, I've been very fortunate enough to kind of sit in this space where I can kind of bridge these two identities, right? So, you know, when I work with a large corporation like Federated Co-op or, uh, you know, anything like that, you know, there, there's never those perceptions there that 
that I've had to experience yet in my career. And I'm still pretty early in my career, right? Mm -hmm. But I think for me, it's about um, helping break down assumptions that are generally um, uh, what I would call the dominant coalition voice inside organizations and helping bring uh, an outsider's perspective to the decision-making table. And I think that's where I can kind of apply my, my perspective but for the most part, you know, you know, as a, a certified communication management professional, as a, a member of my professional association, as an educated person, you know, I can, I, I have all the professional, you know, skill sets. But it's just, I can kind of bring this lens in that helps kind of inform conversation and strategy and things that we're going to do. Oh. If that makes sense. Makes sense, yeah. And, and, yeah. and Deanna, for you, like you're saying, just in 2019, that was the first time you saw someone like you. And and kudos to Sephora for doing this before, you know, BLM and the BIPOC movement. So huge shout out to Sephora, uh, whoever that was at the table that made that decision and, and those that nurtured that decision. Uh, why did you decide to go into marketing, even though you didn't see this growing up? Um. I definitely came from a very entrepreneurial family and got my Bachelor of Commerce in Entrepreneurship and have this really big desire to work with people and work with different brands and support people and help them really create their vision. And I've been working with Indigenous communities or, or businesses and organizations since about 2014, specifically in the last three years. Um, supporting Indigenous businesses across British Columbia. And I just love to see the transformation I've seen over the last few years of kind of saying this message and now people sharing things with me, like friends and my community members, anytime they see an article about Indigenous issues, Indigenous um, things in the news, videos, TikToks, everything, they send it my way and or they ask questions or they want to know things. Again, just like Jess said, I'm not the one who can answer all the questions for everybody, but it's been really inter interesting to see people's genuine interest in learning more and and like Sebastian said, but in, in an authentic way, what really mm -hmm. is truly out there. And so I just really love to be able to help share people's message and help them get that message out there. Awesome. Jeff, I'm going to go to you. Um, your, your company is a B Corp, um, you know, the values that, that resonate in that, the re values that resonate in you as a person are, are pretty apparent. When you saw this last year, the movement down in the United States, the, the BLM movement that just kind of took off all around the world, what were the things that were going through your head as, a, as an individual and then even as a business owner? And, and what did that mean for you as a, even an Indigenous person? Yeah, um, thanks for that question. It, you know, looking from at the Black Lives Matter movement. And, you know, I think, I think there was definitely discourse or maybe a tendency to like want to link that movement to uh, Indigenous peoples and our experience, uh, uh, you know, in, in this country and really globally. Um, so it's important to like respect and understand uh, the perspective from that movement and as its own thing that needs its own attention um, of the black experience uh, in, in uh, North America and Turtle Island. Um, and, but when we look at um, the indigenous movements that have been happening uh, for long, long time around, uh, around the world um, and certainly in the United States and in Canada, we've had some very loud and strong voices through colonization of strong indigenous people. Um, and it's, it's through a lot of these movements that have 
um, brought light and uh, led way to say the Truth and Reconciliation Commission mm -hmm. and MMIWG. Um, you know, a lot of this, this, um, the discourse and the, and the focus, um, it's great uh, that, you know, the world is, is awakening to these movements, but we know um, that deep in our communities and across generations, this has been something that is top of mind and uh, has been actioned by, by a lot, a lot of people. So I think it's um, also amplifying those voices and seeing how to contribute um, and, to, and to amplify voices across um, both Black Lives Matter movements and Indigenous movements um, and uh, across the world as well. Yeah. And, and I think with BLM, it gave birth to the, you know, the, the acronym BIPOC, right? And BIPOC was being used all, you know, everywhere in, in 2020. And, and there's webinars on it and, you know, sessions right. on it and articles on it. So Coleman, what, what was it like for you to watch this, um, you know, the BLM and then the BIPOC and, you know, this acronym and, and being Indigenous and, and seeing, okay, I'm the I, okay, I'm the I here. And, and what does that mean for me to continue to amplify the BIPOC voice and to see BIPOC people represented across our country? Well, uh, one of the first reactions was seeming like everything's happening so fast. And for me at the time, I was, uh, I believe I would have been the only indigenous person in a, in a fairly large sized office. I was surrounded by people who cared about the issue a lot and wanted to do something about it. And, uh, and then you get swept up into, um, kind of an ad hoc diversity meeting and everybody wants to do something and every, and people want to do something that goes beyond just uh just the, the black square on your instagram account but it's difficult because again like you said I, hey i'm i'm the eye right here you know I, I i think there's an indigenous perspective here that needs to be respected but there's also uh the black perspective and any other uh interest group or people of color there too so it's, it was, for me, it was more about resisting the temptation to, to say, what can we do about this right now, right away? What's the quickest thing that we can do to, to make changes? It was convincing people and realizing that these things take time. It's a matter of, uh, you know, for us, it was working with our sales team to say, hey, are you reaching out to indigenous organizations, nonprofits, businesses? And it's, it might not be profitable to work with to work with some of these groups in the in the in the shorter term, and it takes a bit of uh, it, it takes a bit of time. But it has so much value in the long term, in terms of understanding how indigenous organizations work, and uh, and how you can help and, and forge those relationships too. But it just takes it just takes a bit of time. That's that's something that I was thinking about a lot. I, I experienced last year um, post, you know, BLM, the BIPOC awareness, and, and I think people were more aware. Um, a major national, you know, communications conference happened, and the entire stage and, and keynotes and even workshop presenters were all white. Uh, and then a provincial-wide board got announced, and you know, they were very proud of this announcement because they included women, uh, but again, entirely white. And, and so, and this is just recently, like just at the end of 2020, when, you know, I think people could have been aware or is the, you know, they, they should have been aware or maybe they were aware. And I like what you said, Coleman, they just didn't have the time to pivot, right? And I love that Sephora was already there. Like they had already, you know, realized it. So when I see that happen, even after 
you know, it was in the news. Like it was, it was on the front page of the Globe and Mail. Like, you know, giving voice to indigenous people is important for business, for humanity, right? And for whatever, whatever motivates you, right? Whether it's bottom line or, you know, you, you just have a good heart um, and, and care about voices. What does it look like today? Like, Ben, I want to go to you. What does it mean? What can we do as indigenous people to make sure that, you know, we are a voice at a conference. We are a voice on a board. Is there anything we, that can be done? Yeah, I think it, it really comes down to uh, uh, plugging in and starting to advocate uh, for yourself and and connecting with people and networks uh, to to grow. You know this particular uh, issue. Uh, I want to just kind of it kind of makes me think about um, kind of the, again the kind of work that we do. So I say that if the Truth and Reconciliation Commission and the process and the report from that did not put diversity, inclusion and systemic racism on your organizational risk registers, then that's a problem. And you know the Black Lives Matter movement, if that didn't put that on your risk register, then that's a problem and it's time to you know, get that going. And so I can help kind of bring voice to that and bring attention to that uh, when I'm doing my work, right? And advocating for myself. Uh, by doing that. Uh, I think it's time that, you know, we, we take a look at those gaps and start addressing them. And I think that's how we can get, you know, our, our place at the table, right, is, is by advocating and, and pointing to these different instances and saying, hey, this is, this is a real problem and it's time that organizations face it. And, and, and to get like, kind of work together in tandem. Yeah, totally. But to get it practical on it, like, uh, pragmatically speaking, and in the weeds, what does that look like? Is it is it a blog post? Is sure. it a, is it joining a, a like, joining LinkedIn groups? Like, what, what does it look like practically for you? Yeah. Like, what can someone do in the next week? Or like, the, the show comes out, what can an indigenous person do this yeah. week, or, or a person of color or a black person do to be seen and heard? Totally, yeah. So I, I'm a member of the International Association of Business Communicators. I was uh, on their board for a long time. I was in the Canada West board. Uh, just get involved, join other boards. I don't really care, volunteer, right? Uh, it's, it's just a matter of like, you gotta do it. This is our time, right? So yeah, that's, that's a very practical thing to do. And since then I've just kind of climbed and, and gotten into where I am today. That's awesome. So that's, that's your, anyone else have a kind of practical tips, things that they can just even do today or do this week to, to do something practical to, to be a voice? Jeff, I, I see you nodding. Sure. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go on, I'll go ahead, Jeff. Um, yeah. So the, the truth and reconciliation released nine, uh, you know, the calls to action and number 92 was for the corporate sector. And, you know, there, there is uh, in some way a, a bit of a roadmap there. And there are lots of things that non-Indigenous uh, uh, companies and organizations can do uh, from hiring Indigenous talent, uh, training Indigenous students, diversifying your, your supply train, chain, um, implementing uh, Indigenous cultural safety training uh, for staff um, and, you know, incorporating more consultation efforts. And, you know, there's, there's just a ton, there's a really long list of things that, that uh, organizations can do. Um, the roadmap is there through TRC, through uh, United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. There's really in 2021, no excuse uh, for what everything you just talked about, Darian, <laughs> um, and for folks to, you know, educate themselves and take action. Sebastian, you wanted to say something there too. Yeah, I was just going to add though as well, but I think it's our role and responsibility as Indigenous people to also like just 
you know, stop whining a little bit. Like we have that tendency of, you know, like being always like, oh, well, this happened to us and be the victim. And I think, I think it's, it's important to recognize what happened. And obviously I'm not part of, you know, like the residential school system. And, you know, I haven't lived that close in my, my, my family either, but I think it's important to remember that, but don't be the victim and try to, you know, be an advocate for change. And, and because no one want to hear someone always complaining, no one is ever going to listen to someone that's always trying to bring everything down and everything down with them. I think we have to fuel on the past, fuel on, you know, like, and, and, and like try to put actions into and solution find solutions to build a better path and a path that you know like will be the the path of the survivals and the path as well that's going to be everyone's going to be proud to walk on and you know it's going to be the path of the next seven generations and i think we have to think about that and just be like when you're you're talking about your culture yeah you can talk about it like talk about you know the negative impact but also be a man of solution don't just whine don't just complain about everything just make sure that you're part of the solution and i think that's very important Hmm. And speaking of solutions and, and maybe a woman of solutions, Deanna, what, what are some solutions you think someone uh, of indigenous, you know, I think can there are some great suggestions here, but coming from, from a, like a company's perspective, but coming yeah. from like a person's perspective, I think that it's really interesting to give you an example again, from the whole female perspective, Jillian Harris is a very well-known influencer in British Columbia, and yeah. she has been an amazing advocate for mm. many issues, considering the indigenous issues. She has featured Sta uh, Shayla Stonechild on her blog, and um, the exposure has been amazing to see people asking questions because we're so scared of cancel culture. And I know yeah. she is scared of cancel culture. What if I say something wrong? What if I do something yeah. wrong? And so she's very upfront about, I'm learning and I'm going to share yeah. with you in this open space. So you are not scared to learn and work with uh, these issues as well. And I think that it was really interesting working closely with Indigenous Tours in BC this summer. She shared a video we called Everything is Connected, just talking about the Indigenous communities. Some are opening up, some aren't, and here's how you can support them. And she shared it in our page and the amount of messages from women primarily mm. in our inbox was so positive and amazing people wanting a space to learn and wanting to make sure that they're not doing things wrong but they mm. they want to be educated they want to learn mm. and they want to learn what they can do and what Sebastian said about being the victim yes they want to learn what they can do moving forward to support this issue and what can they do in their everyday lives so it's also really interesting to see how a person just reaching out maybe you know somebody who has a bit of bigger reach communicate with them and see if you can collaborate and get your voice voice heard through their platform, which I think is really important. And Deanna, I don't know if you watched MTV Canada way back in the day, but there was a, a, a VJ a host there who went on to create a show called Shit's Creek, uh, Dan Levy. And it's like the best. <laughs> yeah. So Dan Levy has been great on social being someone who, you know, he promoted the University of Calgary free online course about Indigenous education, which I thought was incredible because the amount of people, funny enough, that I heard that learned from Dan Levy about this course more than anything else. Like it's the, the influence he's had has been incredible. So it's Dan Levy, thank yeah. you. It's been incredible. Also, the one thing about that, Dan doing the, that course is the amount of my friends that are indigenous on Facebook that took the course yeah. and learned things that they, you know, they only know their culture, but they learned things that they did, had no idea about. So it's learning within the indigenous community about the history too. Wow. So Coleman, uh, for you, 2021, maybe what are some things that you're looking to do to say, okay, what does my voice look like at my company? And what can my voice and influence do kind of uh, culturally across the country? 
Yeah, so it's, I think that's a that's a great example that uh, that Deanna brought up there. They both you guys brought up about Dan Levy, just because it shows that you really got to challenge yourself and uh, and be okay with learning and not and not having the perfect understanding of everything right off the bat. Part of that is again for certain brands or certain people, it's there's a fear of of, of that cancel culture and there's a fear of being wrong. But yeah, you kind of have to you kind of have to set goals for yourself like that. I mean, myself personally, I am in a similar position where I'm I have a I really want to learn um, the language of of my ancestors, which is Cree, and uh, so that's something that I want to try to do that can be used to kind of. Um, amplify my own reach within my company and within my own personal brand but it just takes making that first step of saying like yeah i'm just gonna sit down and do this uh and and do this course and stick with it but also share my progress with you know my extended community as well it's awesome deanna you mentioned sephora in 2019 we're in 2021 already have has anyone seen any other brands kind of lift up an indigenous voice in a really natural progressive really good way Anyone seen anything recently and kind of give a shout out? I see you nodding, yes. Ben. Ben, tell yeah, me about yeah. someone. Yeah, tell me about a brand. This, this is actually something that just happened this week. So okay. it's fresh. Uh, and it's actually a project that I'm really super proud to be a part of. Okay. Uh, and Federated Co-op just launched uh, a new gas bar brand and okay. program that benefits Indigenous communities. And it's called Western Nations. And what they did is they didn't just put an Indigenous face and a medicine wheel beside their logo, right, you know, <laughs> but, you know, they had a really deep internal and external conversation around what they can do to make a difference for Indigenous communities, right? And so they designed this unique and, ex and very exclusive, unique brand for Indigenous communities to leverage to benefit their own communities, right? And so what they did is they embraced voices and the needs and the perspectives and values of Indigenous people, uh, which I think is a prime example of how Indigenous people should be represented in marketing mm -hmm. communications. It's not just in the image, but it's in the core and in the heart of, of the brand. And that, so I guess what I'm saying is this is a really tangible example of reconciliation and in the business environment. And I, I was very impressed by this project and I'm really proud to be a part of it. It's amazing. Jeff, I'm gonna go to you. Uh, people mentioned fear. And, and I think there's that uh, fear of, you know, I, I love that you mentioned Jillian Harris, Deanna, you know, Jillian saying, hey, I don't get this. I'm gonna learn it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna you know, have someone on my blog. So Jeff, those that are maybe um, in a very white organization and, and they've never done an ad or done any sort of campaign, they're scared of pulling a Kylie Jenner Pepsi move and, and they're freaked out about doing the wrong thing. What do you want to say to them right now? They're listening on the show right now. What do you want to say to an organization that's like, well, let's just do nothing and then we don't offend anyone? What's, what's your challenge? Or what's your encouragement to them? Uh, well, I, you know, we talked today here about uh, which which brands are, are doing things good um, in, in a good way. And there, there are many examples um, from Esquio Air, Chikum Beauty, um, uh, you know, Eighth Generation. There, there are so many examples of, of, of creatives, uh, you know, developing campaigns that um, amplify Indigenous voices, uh, share authentic uh, stories, 
and amplify stories. And I think that that is one thing that non-Indigenous people and organizations can do mm. in their work is amplifying the voices of uh, Indigenous people, First Nations, Métis, Inuit, um, you know, Black and, and people of color. You know, these are, these are very straightforward, simple things to do that shouldn't take uh, a year to implement, right? Um, and so I think that that's, uh, that's one thing. The other thing is um, just on a tactical uh, approach, like, you know, hire Indigenous designers, hire Indigenous creatives, um, hire Indigenous marketers, you know, where we talk about identity today and uh, as well. And, you know, part of sharing our authentic stories and amplifying others is to really prove and show that as Indigenous peoples, we have a diverse range of skills and experience and we're in every sector, like from marketing and communications to space. We, we got astronauts, we got surgeons, right? Like we're everywhere. So in 2021, there's, there's really no, no excuse not to find folks uh, to work with, um, you know, in, uh, indigenous photographers. If you're looking for stock photography, hire an indigenous photographer. Don't just Google First Nation stock photography or, you know, things like this. Um, work with Indigenous musicians for your for your the music for your campaigns and all of these sorts of things. So yeah, there's a few few things that folks can do. And and to find these people, is it as simple as like post something on LinkedIn, put something on your Facebook, and say, does anyone know anyone? Like any other tips besides that? Because if your network again, if you're white and your network is only white, how do you kind of break through and find these people? Up on the hashtags, Indigenous oh. photography, Indigenous yeah. artists. Like yeah. it's okay. it's. It's two or three clicks away max, if not like the first or second click. Like there's really do do your research, do your work, investigate, you know, you'll you'll find amazing folks to work with. Okay. I had a, a, a large marketing association come to me and ask if I could help find them indigenous youth to be mentored by this amazing mentorship program they created. And I said, that's great. That's great. Do you have any indigenous mentors for these indigenous youth? And they said, no, no, we couldn't find any. I don't think they exist. And I said, well, did you, did you ask your network? Did you ask her? Like, yeah, no, no one knew anyone. And so I'm, I'm partly, I was like speaking to that, like, you know, this is good advice. Go on LinkedIn, use the hashtags. They do exist, right? And so I'm, and, and part of this panel is also to say, hey, here's, here's five amazing indigenous marketers right here that are doing amazing work. Um, Sebastian, I want to go to you. Uh, I know that uh, who knows when this publishes and what's going to be allowed but when the day is allowed for people to visit and go places, what are some practical ways and some places people can visit to support indigenous organizations and companies to, to go and visit? Well, there's so many, so many amazing communities and so many amazing people across the country. I've always been profoundly in love with the North. Uh, I've got that strong connection there. It's, it's been so vibrant to me uh, so strong and raw and you know powerful to the connections that you do there and um so i, I would say anywhere like any any indigenous communities any indigenous people that you're going to go and meet with i mean you'll be learning a few things for sure and and i think as well the strength of our our uh, our communities and our experiences is really that that connection that one-on-one and and you know being able to learn from the land and and, you know, like the respect, the respect the values as well that is within indigenous people and how we do things in a certain way. And, you know, and especially with the way we do things with no timeline, 
you know, and I think any single experience that we have has, you know, that, that opportunity for, you know, like if you see um, a polar bear or if you see a moose and, you know, you're going to take the 20, 25 an hour to, you know, to, to spend there and not be like, Oh no, sorry, we have to jet to the other activity and sorry guys. Like, so just like, you know, like that, that, that time can be good. And I love those moments of silence and that reflection that people have when they talk, you know, like it's, it's thought, it's profound. It's, uh, you know, it has a meaning and it's not fake. So I always say that, you know, like any hotels that you go to, like it's four walls, but our, our communities offer way more than that. It's an experience. It's a way of life. It's, it's so different. So anyone out there that wants to experience, I mean, there's beautiful products in BC, I don't, I don't like to say like, I don't say products normally, sorry, like we'll have to cut that, but I say experiences normally because everything that we do is an experience and we have to yeah. learn and live. And, you know, it's, it's so beautiful. It's such a wide array of experiences as well, you know, from food to accommodation and fishing and outfitters and anything that has to do with the line as well, medicinal plant and others. So there's amazing experiences across this country. Take some time search go on you know like your provincial websites work with destination canada go to indigenous tourism uh, and destination indigenous.ca and you'll find a wide array of experiences that you can uh, experiment across the country that's amazing so deanna give me i know it's hard to say like who's your favorite child but give me one experience that someone should try that you think is is amazing well what I was just thinking, what Sebastian was saying, what I really recommend people doing is like over quarantine, I think everyone kind of got a hobby. Mine was drinking a specific wine. <laughs> you know, it's like whatever you want to do this summer as the world opens up. So like, say you want to check a winery, say you want to go to a campground or a restaurant or um, bear watching, whale watching. I would really encourage people to search indigenous owned companies that do that first and then go from there because I think that this you can everybody can probably go out in a boat and go look at you know orcas or something but to have that history and the storytelling I think is what people are really looking for so I would just encourage people to do that extra search this in 2021 to find that indigenous owned business and ask their networks because people are all learning together so I'm sure other people have things to, to say like there are so many amazing indigenous owned wineries in the central British Columbia or northern tip of Vancouver Island there is amazing indigenous owned um, whale watching or wildlife watching um, businesses that not only show you the wildlife but you learn the history and the culture and the storytelling and you leave forever impacted and moved and I think that that's really important. I love what you said, Deanna. That's amazing. And and to echo what Jeff said as well, if you are a national, you know, global, provincial corporation and looking to, um, you know, do some practical steps like search Indigenous, uh, maybe look for Indigenous vendors, look for Indigenous marketers. I, I love that. And if you uh, can't find him, if Google is not your friend or Bing, whatever is your search uh, <laughs> engine of choice, uh, the CCAB, uh, Canadian Council of Aboriginal Business uh, can be a great friend to you as well. They will help you find these people because they do exist. They really do. Uh, you know, um, Ben, I want to give you the final word here. Um, I love your story of you joining a board. What's the word you have for all these very like white boards? And there's lots of them right here in Canada. And they don't mean to do that, right? So nothing wrong with that. It's what's your encouragement when someone like you, when you did apply, you know, what's your encouragement to the board members that are going to get their first Indigenous person on a board or have their first Indigenous person at a table, their first Indigenous person, maybe even to join a paid board, right? Imagine that. Um, what's your advice to them? And, and what was it like for you at your experience? 
Yeah, I think I'm going to use probably a few, use a few buzzwords here, and I apologize if, <laughs> if I need some clarity, but I think it's really important that as we continue to um, you know, think about our you know, board composition and our organizational composition, that, that we do shy away from tokenism. So it's yeah. not just a, a representative, but they are a person that you know, can offer value and perspective, and that as we shy away from tokenism, that we start favoring, uh, you know, wholly incorporating Indigenous and BIPOC voices and thought into our processes, decolonizing our systems and structures in whatever way that might look. I think it's a good question for us to have a conversation about, to become more authentically diverse, inclusive, and ultimately responsible organizations. So when you're inviting that person on, those are the kind of the questions we need to be having and exploring internally, because that will certainly change the conversation and the decisions that happen at that table. May I just add that as well, because I'm still agreeing with you, Ben, and it's, you know, it, it always goes back as well to me, like as far as, you know, for me, reconciliation really start with recognitions, and it's not because you are on an ancestral land that you have to do a land recognition if you're not, like, you know, if it's not meaningful to you, yeah. please don't do it if it doesn't, if you're forced because you're forced to do it, don't yeah. do it because it's, it's, it, it pisses me off every single <laughs> time that people have actually no idea why they're doing it. They're doing it because the system is asking them to do it, but do it if you have like real interest and if you're you're doing it in a meaningful mm -hmm. way. And and remember your value, you remember as well your worth because we have that tendency of wanting to help and educate people for free all the time. But no, I mean, come on, man, you're worth something, you know, like and your your guidance, you know, brings money. Like you should be paid to do so. So I mean. Otherwise, another consultant would be paid. Like, why not an indigenous person? So that, that's just, I just wanted to say that because a token to me was so important. Like, it's yeah. just, like, we have to be on those boards. We have to bring that creativeness of indigenous perspective. And it's just normal that we do so. It's 2 million indigenous people across this country. Let's not forget that. 2 million, yeah. Uh, Baroness Van Sketch, which is a great uh, sitcom out of CBC, did an amazing, just Google it, land recognition uh, skit. And it is brilliant so Deanna any last words from you as we close this up no I actually really agree with what you both just said and we were talking about the token and stuff in terms of marketing and companies to really take the time in 2021 to look at that UGC that user generated content that shows people of different backgrounds and ethnicities enjoying their experience their product and capturing that and, and sharing that as well this year yeah. And so maybe like what Jeff said and what you said, maybe search mm -hmm. in Google or, or, or maybe working with an influencer agency or a creator agency, ask them if they work with any indigenous creators and, and maybe they do. And, and that's awesome. Jeff, any closing words from you? Well, I think uh, everybody's um, said most of it, but I, I think just going into this year, like we're, we're not, we're not out of the, out of the woods yet. Mm -hmm. Um, but we have learned a lot, uh, over the last year, uh, collectively as, as, uh, as a global peoples, right. Yeah. So, you know, we've, we've gotten really good at the zoom thing. Um, and, uh, I think at least from, I'll speak for myself, I've kind of gone, looked inward and, and did some like learning and some searching. I think we're all, all we've all done that. We've all picked up hobbies. We've, you know, um, and I think just taking that into this year, but also the year, the years to come, like this need for, I think in-person connection is, uh, is going to be, um, that stock is, is going to be high growth, you know, uh, especially after this year. 
and and we we've, we've learned what works well what can work well digitally like this and what works best in person and creating those connections and so um, yeah, I think it's just taking that learning and, and projecting that out and, and trying to bring that into all of our lives and in our work um, in our day to day. So yeah, That's miigwech awesome. everybody. Thank you for uh, sitting in circle with you today. Yeah. And Jeff, I just want to give a shout out. You remind me, you introduced me to the First Nations Tech Council, who is doing an incredible job uh, empowering, educating, and trying to lift up Indigenous people to get into these new collar jobs, these, you know, these amazing job opportunities by giving them the training and education. So, yeah, there's uh, tens of thousands of unfilled technology and digital focused jobs uh, in Canada, and we have a young up in up and coming, uh, talented, passionate technology focused Indigenous population uh, that is there. And um, what we're trying to do at Animiki Indigenous Technology is to uh, try to be a good example of a digital focused agency tech company. And, uh, and, and sort of shift, shift the narrative that Indigenous people, we are technologists, inventors, entrepreneurs, scientists, marketers, and um, yeah, folks like uh, the First Nations Technology Council and others are, are helping make that happen, make, that, uh, make those connections. That's awesome. Uh, I'm gonna put uh, the LinkedIn links uh, in the show notes. Those that wanna follow up, I'm sure they wouldn't mind. Um, if you have questions, again, if you still have any sort of fear or concern, don't feel, be afraid to ask a question. There's no dumb questions. There's no question you can't ask. And I think this is the season. I think 2021 could be the season of asking questions and, and learning. And, and again, we can all be like Dan Levy and this can be the year of learning. So thank you everyone for joining us today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for investing in yourself to learn about this very important topic, this very important discussion uh, about what it means for your brand to engage with the indigenous community across our beautiful, beautiful country. We'll see you next week on Marketing News Canada. See everyone. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded at the Jelly Marketing Studio. Thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editor, Travis Jeffers. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.